Okay, so every now and then, you know, someone comes up to you and they say something to you that sticks in your mind. It's like they say something that just jumps out. And the other day, someone said to me, our journey with the Lord is a lifelong journey. And it got me thinking, yeah, our journey with the Lord is a lifelong journey. You know, God doesn't just show up and then disappear. No, he's with us every step of the way standing right beside us, he's carrying us, he's cheering us on, he's encouraging us when we fall over. And every now and then, we seem to forget that. So I just wanted to remind us today and say, let's look at Psalm 115. It says, my times are in your hand. That's the Psalm King David saying that. My times are in your hand. And Job 12.10 echoes the same sentiment. It says, in his hand is the life of every creature and the breath of all mankind. You know, but sometimes we can forget that we're in, our lives are in God's hands. So I want you to turn to the person next to you and I want you to say to them, look them in the eye and say to them, your life is in God's hands. That's it, like you mean it. Your life is in God's hands. Praise God, praise God. Well, our lives are truly in God's hands. And you know, my life is in God's hands, praise God. So just in case you don't know me, I've been introduced already, but my name is Corinne Jess. And I too am on a journey of drawing closer to the Lord. I've been at Kensington Temple now for over 20 years. Yes, I said it, 20 years, 20 years. And you know, I've been on a journey of drawing nearer to the Lord that whole time. I've been discipled here, I've discipled others here. I've got baptized here. I got married to my wonderful husband, Hassani here. I have four wonderful children here who've all been prayed over actually by the womb ministry and who've all been dedicated to the Lord here. So praise God. I've um, also made, you know, amazing lifelong friendships here. I've studied at Bible school here. You know, the list goes on. But I have to say, you know, life hasn't always been straightforward. There is, you know, there've been lots and lots of ups and downs. But one thing I can say categorically is that I have loved being on this journey with the Lord. And so that's why I believe the Lord is calling us to think about how you're journeying with him today. Whether we choose to accept it or not, we are all on a journey with the Lord. From the moment we are born into this world, we're on a physical journey. We're on a physical journey of aging. No matter how hard we try to reverse it or change it, you know, we can't stop. Many have tried and failed. We are all on this journey of aging. And we're also on a journey of having our minds grow and gain knowledge and understanding. Now, everyone likes to talk about the physical journey and the emotional journey but we're also on a spiritual journey. And that's the one that I want us to talk about today. The Lord has already set out this spiritual journey for us, should we choose to accept his invitation to journey the way that he wants us to go. Now, we're gonna read Jeremiah 29, verses 11 to 13, and it says, "'For I know the plans I have for you,' declares the Lord. "'Plans to prosper you and not to harm you, Plans to give you a hope and a future. Do you believe that, Kensington Temple? Do you believe that, that God has a plan for you? He wants to give you a hope and a future. And then we forget to read the bit after that, which I want us to read today, which says, then you will call on me and pray to me and you will listen to me and you will seek me and find me when you seek me with all your heart. Do you believe that? You will find him when you seek him with all your heart. Do you accept that this is the word of God today? Amen. Now, I know we don't use paper maps much these days, 
but let's think about it this way. God has the right GPS signal to ensure that we can travel through every hill and valley and get to our correct destination at the right time by his hand. Not only does he have the plans in the map, but he is asking us to call on him. He's asking us to say, Lord, you know, we're seeking you. We want your guidance. He doesn't force us. Instead, he really waits for us to kind of press the search button on the search engine. Press the search button on the search engine. So the question I have for you today, church, is have you asked God what is written on the map of your life? Or have you deleted the map app on your phone because it got too complicated and the directions didn't make any sense to you? Now, how many of you here know and agree with me when I say that journeys aren't always smooth? Anyone could put up their hand for that. A few people can't. Okay, well, that's cool. <laughs> but um, journeys aren't always smooth. And the other day, well, actually not the other day, two weeks ago, I was on a family holiday to Portugal. And we were so excited. It's the first time we were able to travel out of the country since COVID began. And so we were really excited. We managed to book our last minute deal, check. Then we managed to get ourselves packed, check. We managed to get ourselves to the airport on time, check. Then we managed to get through all the assignments, all the baggage and all that. And then we managed to be on the plane, sitting on the plane. And I was like, wow, Lord, thank God. You know, with all the dramas that have been going on with COVID and travel, thank God that we're here. And Lord, it's going to be straightforward. It's going to be straightforward is what I said. But about 20 minutes into the flight, the pilot, and well, actually, no, at the beginning of the flight, the pilot explained to us that we were going to have to be, well, we're going to benefit from the fact that instead of three hours for our journey, our journey was actually going to be two hours because the wind of the Atlantic Ocean was going to push us forward at a quicker speed. So here's me thinking, yeah, this is really good news. You know, we're going to shave a whole hour off our journey. But what he didn't failed to tell us, then we found out 30 minutes later, was that because of the wind of the Atlantic Ocean pushing us forward and the windy night that it was, the plane started to hit turbulence. And we were on this turbulence, the plane was bound, well, I don't, I don't want to exaggerate, people say I exaggerate a lot, but not, I, we, the plane was, was not smooth. It was not smooth. There was turbulence, and we were moving up and down, up and down. <laughs> and my stomach was like, no! We were, we were stomach-churning, really stomach-churning. And the fast in your seatbelt sign came on, and we all just had to sit there and endure this hour. But it got me thinking. The turbulence got me thinking. When I was on the plane, I couldn't get off. No matter how much I wanted to, I couldn't get off. I had to endure the turbulence right until the end, right until it finally stopped. And I had to accept that my journey wasn't going according to my plans of being straightforward. In fact, I chose to speak to God at that time. And I was like, Lord, I just want to check. I just want to check, Lord. Am I on the right journey? <laughs> and the Lord said, yeah, you're fine. You're going to be OK. And I was like, oh, OK, good. Thank God. Thank God. But seriously, I was so glad to get off the plane at the end of the journey. But the journey taught me three important lessons. One, the nature of our journey is not always smooth and we may encounter turbulence. Two, we need to be ready to face the unexpected. And three, despite my panic and the panic of those around me, God, the pilot, was absolutely fine and he knew just what was going to be happening and what was going on. So praise God for that. So I thank God every day that we have an incredible map. We have the map. And this map is the word of God. It's the Bible. And if you have your Bibles with me today, please can you turn to Acts 22. We're going to read verses 6 to 14. So that's Acts 22, 
6 to 14. Now, the Bible is full of extraordinary stories of people who go on extraordinary journeys. And they're ordinary people, people like you and people like me. And here we see the extraordinary journey that the Apostle Paul goes on. Um, and this is a testimony of the journey that he goes on with God. At this point in his life, the Apostle Paul is actually called Saul of Tarsus. He's a well-respected Jewish scholar. And he actually is trying to ensure that Christians are persecuted and put into jail or killed. And he is angry that people are teaching that Jesus is the son of God, which he is. So Saul is on this physical journey. He's traveling on the road to Damascus to get some more Christians thrown into jail when God breaks in and begins an unexpected spiritual journey. So I'm going to read from verse 6. This is what it says, the Apostle Paul's testimony. About noon, as I came near Damascus, suddenly a bright light from heaven flashed around me. I fell to the ground and I heard a voice say to me, Saul, Saul, why do you persecute me? Who are you? Lord, I asked. I am Jesus of Nazareth, whom you are persecuting, he replied. My companions saw the light, but they did not understand the voice of him who was talking to me. What shall I do, Lord? I asked. Get up, the Lord said, and go into Damascus. There you will be told what you have been assigned to do. My companions led me by the hand into Damascus because the brilliance of the light had blinded me. A man named Ananias came to see me. He was a devout observer of the law and highly respected by all the Jews living there. He stood beside me and he said, Brother Saul, receive your sight. And at that very moment, I was able to see. Then he said, the God of our ancestors has chosen you to know his will and to see the righteous one and to hear words from his mouth. You will be a witness to all people of what you have seen and heard. And now, what are you waiting for? Get up, be baptized, and wash your sins away, calling on his name. Amen. Praise the Lord for the reading of his word. The Apostle Paul's experience here is extraordinary, and it teaches us three things that we can take ourselves when we're thinking about our journey of drawing nearer to the Lord. I've called them the three A's. The three A's. They all start with an A, the letter A. Firstly, I believe that the Lord is calling us to acknowledge him and to recognize that he is Lord. As soon as the Apostle Paul gets a glimpse of God, he acknowledges him. Who are you, Lord? I asked. I'm Jesus of Nazareth, whom you're persecuting. Now, what I find really interesting about this encounter is that you would have imagined Saul to be like somewhat disorientated or like confused or at least defensive, like what's going on? But the fact that he just calls on Jesus' name straight away, Lord, shows the majesty and shows the power of what he's encountered. Who is this Lord? As the Lord says, I'm Jesus of Nazareth. The one who's broken into Saul's reality is Jesus of Nazareth. He's Jesus, the Messiah. Jesus, who is the Son of God. And not only is he the Son of God, but he is God himself as a member of the Trinity, the Godhead which we know consists of Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And as Jesus says in the book of John in chapter 10, I and the Father are one. And anyone who's seen me has seen the Father. 
Saul's reaction here teaches us that we need to revere and acknowledge who God is so that he can draw us nearer. You know, when you meet with the Lord, and I know many of you here have, there's nothing better than just to bask in the glory of God. Lord, who are you, Lord? Praise God. Saul's position, everything he's done up until then, his human status, his intellectual prowess as a pharisaical intellectual, everything that he's known, it basically pales into insignificance in the presence of the living God. Pales into insignificance. And when I was preparing this, the word I heard clearly for someone was, just because you haven't seen it yet doesn't mean that it does not exist. Just because you haven't seen it yet does not mean that it does not exist. It's important for us to grab hold of that. Up until that moment, Saul had not experienced the supernatural power of God. He'd never seen it before. But he got to see it. And when he saw it, he was changed in an instant. And we need to remember that same thing. You know, up until I came to church, I didn't know about who God was. You know, I was 19 when I got saved. I didn't know who God was. And even when I was in the church for a few years, I was still like, okay, so God, who are you? Who are you, Lord? I'm still asking the question today because God is magnificent. He's omnipotent. He's omniscient. He's, he's beyond our understanding. And this is what Saul is asking here today. And another thing that I recognized that when I got um, saved and I was around people in the church and I was hearing, you know, Kensington Temple is a church that's steeped in, in the understanding that we work in supernatural miracle signs and wonders. That's the fabric of, of this, this building. You know, when they excavated the bottom of the building, they, they picked up all these wheelchairs and, and sticks that people had thrown away because they were healed in the name of Jesus. And so when I was thinking about it, I was like, wow, Lord, you know, until I'd seen my first healing, I, I was like, oh my goodness. And then I saw a deliverance and I was like, whoa, God, you're real. Lord, you're real. God, you are real. Wow, God, you are real. And so the awe, the wonder is what we're called to have. We're called to be expectant. And today I want to encourage you, church, to be expectant. You need to be prepared to see the unexpected. You need to have faith that God can break into your reality, into your situation, and he can transform it in one instant, one single instant. That's the God that we serve. Now, many of you might be Christians here for a long time, and you might be thinking, well, I already know who Jesus is. I've already acknowledged who Jesus is. But I think believers and those of you who are here and you're exploring faith for the first time, I think what we should be all asking is the same question that, Lord, that Saul asked when he asked the Lord. And he said, who are you, Lord? Who are you, Lord? Who are you, Lord? We should be saying that same question to ourselves. Lord, who are you in my situation? Lord, please, can you show me something new about yourself? Lord, who are you? I need a fresh revelation of your goodness in my life right now, Lord God. Who are you? You know, we live in a society where people say that they're the master of their own destiny, that they're the ones that steer their ship, that they're in charge of this and they're in charge of that. But really, these attitudes can creep into us in the church. We can actually start taking on those ideals ourselves, even if we've been a Christian for a long time. We can forget that we are talking and we are praying to the living God, our Lord. So that was the first A. The second A is that Saul's encounter here his journeying with the Lord teaches us that we need to accept the invitation to journey God's way. 
You know, if someone comes up to you and invites you on a journey and they say, Hassani, do you want to come with me to Scotland? You need to say yes. You need to say yes, otherwise you're not on the journey. If you don't say yes, you're not on the journey. And you need to take and accept ownership of the invitation. What shall I do, Lord? Saul asks. Get up, the Lord says, and go into Damascus. And there you'll be told all you've been assigned to do. Now, his companions lead him by the hand. He takes acceptance of what's happened. He is led out. He could have, you know, fought against what was going on. But he is led out by the hand into Damascus to get his transformation. Saul's life shows us what the Lord had in mind for him. But it also shows us that we can have taken the wrong invitation ourselves. We can have a counterfeit invitation. Saul, up until that point, he was convinced that he was doing the right thing. He was persecuting Christians. He was killing them. He was sure. He was like, right, this is what I'm supposed to do. His religious upbringing, his mindset, the order, the society around him was encouraging what he was doing. But it was the wrong assignment. And so the question for all us today is, have we taken the right assignment? Are we even on the right journey with the Lord? And it's okay, because as soon as Saul finds out that he's on the wrong journey, he immediately changes. He turns back immediately to the right track. And that's what we can do today. As, the, as soon as Saul says, what shall I do, Lord? He's told specifically. He's told specifically. So our God is not in deficit to tell us what we need to do. What shall I do, Lord? Get up, go into Damascus, and there you will be told or you've been assigned to do. Our God speaks. Our God tells us stuff. And today, we need to open our ears. We need to open our eyes, spiritual eyes and our hearts to hear what the Lord is saying. Many of you might be here and you might be thinking, well, I have been on this journey with the Lord and I've been walking with the Lord, but, you know, things have started to happen in my life. And turbulence is real. <laughs> turbulence is really real as we go back to my plane example. Sometimes things can come. Curveballs can come out of nowhere without warning. And it can really disorientate us as Christians. You know, we're living through tumultuous times right now. You know, we have the, the rising cost of living and fuel. We're living through COVID. We're living through the Ukrainian war. And even personally to that, you may be having situations in your life that are personal to you. You may be having financial troubles. You may be having problems at work. You may be having all sorts of situations that are difficult. You know, the loss of a loved one. These things can be turbulent in our lives. But who do we call in times of trouble? Who has the map to help us escape? Jeremiah at the beginning reminded us. We need to call on him. We need to seek him. We need to pray to him. Lord, I said on the plane, are we going to be okay? Yes, you're going to be fine. Every now and then, we just need to press the refresh button. Lord, what shall I do? Refresh button. Lord, what is my assignment for today? Refresh button. Lord, can we revisit the map together? I think I've gone on the wrong track. Okay. Yeah. I think I've gone on the wrong track. And the Lord is, what he shows us is that when Saul, he, Saul is led by the hand into Damascus. And the Lord is saying the same thing to us. I want to lead you by the hand. I want to lead you by the hand into safety. Can we say it today? Lord, would you lead me into safety? Lord, would you lead me into safety? Praise God. And the third A that I want to talk about today, we've had acknowledge and we've had accept, and now we're talking about aligning. Saul's journey teaches us that we need to align with God's map. The definition of alignment is to get in line. 
is to be properly positioned and to have your parts adjusted in relation to one another. Pilots have a rule, which they call the one in 60 rule. And it means that if they set their coordinate out by one degree, they can end up veering the plane 60 miles off what they're planning to do. So we understand that one degree of difference and one degree of error can take us off into a very bad direction. And Saul is told by Ananias how to get in alignment with God. He's told to get up, to be baptized, and to wash his sins away and call on the name of Jesus. And he teaches him what alignment means. And for us, alignment is getting on God's program. It's calling on the name of Jesus for salvation. Our God alone, Jesus in, in, in heaven, he's the only one that can forgive our sins. And he was sent to this earth to pay the price for all our sins. And we only need to call on his name, Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. Alignment means to do it God's way. And there's a way that God wants us to live. It's specific. It's outlined in the Bible. Get up, turn away from your sins. I don't know what you're going through right now. But be washed clean and call on the name of Jesus. He can help you. And that's what the Apostle Paul does. We read the book of Acts. If you read it this week when you've got time, you'll see Paul going through all these amazing journeys. Like literally, he goes on all these wonderful journeys with the Lord. He, he travels for over 10,000 miles into the Roman Empire. He writes around half of the New Testament and he is instrumental in establishing leaders in churches all over the place. And they're able to replicate themselves. And him himself puts it. He says, look, I'm not perfect, guys. But in Philippians 3, 13 to 14, he says, Brothers and sisters, I do not yet consider myself to have taken hold of it. But one thing I do, forgetting what is behind and straining toward what is ahead, I press on toward the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. So not only does he forget the baggage, he reaches forward to gain from what it means to fully know Jesus, to be in alignment with the call of God on his life. And he keeps his eyes on the prize. We were created to love God and to be in his presence and to enjoy him forever. So in summary today, we need to acknowledge, we need to accept, and we need to get aligned with God. Two questions we can ask ourselves this week. Two key questions. Number one, Lord, what shall I do? What shall I do, Lord God? What shall I do in my situation? And then wait for the answer. And then another question that we need to ask ourselves, or ask the Lord this week rather, is who are you, Lord? Who are you, Lord? Lord, will you reveal yourself to me in a fresh way? Let us acknowledge that we are on the journey with the Lord for life. And this is a journey where the Lord is walking with you by your side. It's a journey where he's going to cushion you through the turbulence and through the trials. He's going to lead you on divine assignments. And he's going to guide you into his love and eternal truth. Truly, church, there's nothing better. There's nothing better. Oh.